I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. And if anybody is experiencing this out there that's listening, you have choices and you are probably a different person now than you were then and you can overcome these feelings that do feel debilitating by using somatic therapy, using energy work and self-soothing. So, but just know that you can make different choices and that's empowering. This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 362 with guest Lara Riggio. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. So I am recording this on Monday morning, November 2nd, 2020. And I'm telling you that because for a couple of reasons. Uh, A, this is a historic week uh, over here in the United States. It is election week. And I know that this is going to come out next week. (laughs) So it's probably going to be very different if we know anything at all. Um, It's a little nerve-wracking. I think for all of us, it has been all year, and anxieties are running high. I wanted to share something with you that doesn't have anything to do with politics. You're probably like, phew, thank goodness. And the other reason I was mentioning what day it is is because today, well, actually on the 1st, my manuscript was due to my editor for my third book. And... I sent it over a few hours ago. Um, Oh, my gosh. All right. So it's one of those things, you know, it's a gigantic project. I've been working on it for many, many, many months. And for all of you, I think that anytime you put your heart and soul into something, whether it's a piece of art, whether it is a work project, whether it is a child, (laughs) when you are kind of putting it out into the world to be on its own. And especially when you're putting something out there for other people to give their opinion, to critique it, to help you and give their insight to make it better, it's scary. 
And I actually talk about this in the book about visibility. It's about being extraordinarily vulnerable. And as someone who has diagnosed anxiety disorder, even if you don't struggle with like, chronic anxiety, there is that that worry of, of putting yourself out there. And I also have the thoughts of, what if she hates it? What if she comes back and says, this isn't at all what I had expected? Can you try again? So I wanted to share with you the steps that I take to combat those thoughts, that thought spiral that we can we can all tend to go down. All right. So when I found myself falling into that, what happens for me over here is because I've been doing this work for so long, I recognize it very quickly that it's happening. And that is the goal. That is I want, that is what I want for all of you. So the goal isn't to never have negative thoughts anymore or worrisome thoughts anymore. I don't know anyone that does that, who doesn't at least sometimes fall into that anywhere from a little bit of worry to catastrophic thinking. It still happens to me. I recognize that it's happening very quickly. And I there's a couple of things that I do. First, and this goes back to cognitive behavioral therapy that I learned from my therapist two decades ago, is I think about worst case scenario from a from a practical standpoint. I tell myself, okay, sure, that's a possibility that she could come back and say, this is a terrible manuscript. This isn't at all what I thought it was going to be. Are you kidding me? You are the worst author I have ever worked with. It's a, possi- it's a possibility, right? I'm not going to be like, well, that could never happen because I'm the best writer ever. No, that could happen. What is the probability of that happening? Really? What is the probability of that happening? Those chances are pretty slim because in this particular situation, I have experience. I've done this a couple of times before. I'm very clear about what it is exactly that they're looking for. I have sent her a few chapters over the last few months, which she has liked, and she has said, yes, you're on the right track. More of that, please. So I I, I talk to myself and, and talk about the reality of what is happening instead of allowing myself to go deep into the catastrophic thinking, okay? Then... The next step is I think about the other possibilities, because this is reflexive. I'll just start thinking about, okay, well, that probably won't happen, but she could come back with some criticisms. I have gotten manuscripts back that are destroyed. That's a dramatic word. (laughs) That are marked up with comments in the margins of the Microsoft Word document. Lots and lots and lots of comments. And that very well could happen again. That's a that's a pretty strong possibility because she's an editor. That's what they do. That's what's supposed to happen next. And it doesn't feel fantastic to get your work back and have someone pointing out all the ways that you could have done a better job. All right? All right. So that's fairly likely to happen. That's a that's probable. And so what I do is I tell myself that No matter what happens, this is the whole point. This is what is going to make me a better writer. This is why I do it this way, so that I can give it to someone where that is their job, 
so they can help me make this a better book, the best book it possibly can be to put into your hands. I tell myself things like, even if there is criticism, that will not kill me. I have never died before from criticism. I have survived 100% of the days where I have been criticized. Does it hurt? Yeah, it does. It hurts my ego. And that's okay. I'm going to be all right on the other end. I'm going to be a better writer on the other end of it. This is what builds resilience. This is what builds courage. This is what builds confidence. 100%. This is how it works. If I sat here and never put any of my work out there, that would be completely out of alignment with my values. That would never be in service to you. I would be, I would not be doing what I was put here to do. So these are the things I have to tell myself when I gear up to send over this manuscript of 85,000 words for someone to critique and tell me their opinion on it. I actually, I have gotten feedback before where there's no feedback, where it's like, yeah, it's all great. And to be honest with you, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> I'm like, no, can you tell me somewhere or at least tell me like, what is the part that you love about it? What is the part where you just think it's okay? That's what makes us better at our craft, whether you're a writer, whether you are a, a filmmaker, an artist, a crafter, whatever maker you are. All of us are creative. It just looks different. So I just wanted to share that with you real quick before we jump into the conversation today. And I mean, I'm, you're going to hear me talking about it ad nauseum for the next almost year. The book comes out August 2021. Uh, I'm so excited about it. And I cannot wait for you to have it. It's been, It's been burning over the last handful of years, really, from before I wrote How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. So super excited for you to to read this book. All right. We have a fantastic guest for you today. She was recommended by my friend Terry Cole. Terry has been a guest a few times on this show, and I knew I knew it was going to be a great conversation. So for those of you that don't know, let me tell you a little bit about Lara Riggio. Lara is an energy intuitive. Her videos, classes, and sessions have helped tens of thousands discover and heal the mind-body, ancestral, and past life blocks which sabotage health and happiness. She is based in New York City and works out of her Central Park Energy Center in Columbus Circle. So without further ado, here is Lara. Lara, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so excited. I am just delighted to have you on because our mutual friend, Terry Cole, whom I lovingly call my one of my resident therapists over here, she's been, she's been a, a reoccurring guest on the show. I wanted to tell you what it was that we were talking about in conversation that, that had her say, you need to have my friend, Lara, come on your show. So I was doing some research for a book that I'm writing, and I was asking her about intuition and how trauma plays a role in that for women. So more specifically, women who have trouble accessing or listening to their intuition who have unresolved trauma, how, you know, tell me about that, Terry. And so she was talking about it. And then that's when your name came up and she said, she's worked with you and here we are. So are you surprised that that was the conversation that we were having when your name came up? Well, I was like, wow, here we are. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Let's talk about trauma. <laughs> I love it. 
Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. But, I but jump honestly, in the deep end. But honestly, Welcome. <laughs> honestly, so what happens often in my client sessions is someone will come in and this happens frequently. Someone will come in and they may break into tears because I really do try and create a, create a safe space where people can really be themselves and express what they need to, right? Because we don't give ourselves enough time and space in our lives to do that. And so someone may burst into tears, tears and I'm like, this is great. And they look at me like I have five holes in my head because I'm like, it's great because you're, you want to work on this and it's already here. It's already, you're already present to it. So now we have a wonderful place to start from versus having to dig to get to it. And so, and I think, um, well, do you want to jump into trauma? Is that where we want to go? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, and I, it sounds like that's kind of the entry point that that's why you say it's already here. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's already here because when you, I always say that upset is access. And when we're upset about something, it's our body's way of telling us that something is not right and it wants to resolve it. And I, I really think of our bodies as really incredible teachers. Pain is a teacher, uh, anxiety is a teacher, depression is a teacher insomnia is a teacher. When my clients come with insomnia, I, I often look at, well, what is, what's up with their central nervous system that it can't calm down so that you can actually rest and relax? Or do we need to look? Is there a traumatic experience somewhere in their history that has somehow been, you know, that's triggered this stress reaction? Are they just overwhelmed all day because they're taking on too much? But we look at what can be healed um, and, and what and what's causing the insomnia, and it allows us to ultimately reach a new level of growth and make ourselves happier in our lives. So I, I really try to reframe a lot of the upsetting or, or negative things that happen to us as they're just signs. They're signs in your, that you're, from your body that you're living in a way that's not really aligned with what you want. And in the case of trauma, when something comes up and you're constantly thinking about it or you find you're reacting to a trigger the same way all the time and it, it could be debilitating or just even annoying, when that happens, that you're ready to heal it. You're ready to, to go and, and actually talk about it. And, but I will say with trauma, the important thing about trauma is that trauma is held in the body. I talk about the body as a teacher, but the body is also, it's a holder of memories as well. And you hold them in your musculature. And one of the reasons that energy work, which is what I practice, is so helpful with trauma is that it helps you balance your, re, it helps you actually balance your energy body in the face of like talking about the trauma or reimagining it so that then you can desensitize your body to the situation. And so it is every meridian in your body uh, has a physical capability and an emotional, uh, an emotional capacity as well. And so when we're able to work with the meridian system or the chakra system and rebalance it in the face of the retelling of the story or the thinking about the situation, we're strengthening your body's response to it and you're able to retrain your reaction to it and ultimately be free from that physical habituated reaction. And that's how I work with trauma. 
And again, though, when you're having symptoms, I always look at it as an opportunity. And I think that's super important with any kind of injury, pain, discomfort, anxiety, whatever it is. So I'm assuming that takes like one or two sessions and then they usually wrap it up. <laughs> well, actually, actually, I have helped people. But, you know, it's what's interesting is if it's ripe for change, and it's funny because when Terry sends me clients because she's worked with people and uncovered and actually educated them, um, you know, they've worked through the past experiences mm. enough and she's re helped them re-educate themselves um, and get present to their own power. When they come in, it may only take one session okay. for me to reprogram the body's reaction to it. So the more work you've done, the faster you can reprogram those reactions. Sometimes there's layers though, too. When I work, I work with, I've worked over the years with a a veteran. He's a former Marine. And actually the first thing that we worked on, well, I worked with him over a period of two days for like long extended sessions. And in those sessions, we worked on the retelling of the story and strengthening his body in the face of it. But then we went outside of my studio and looked at how his body was being triggered. And we worked with those triggers as they were happening over a two day period using my exercises and also along with talk therapy, because he had a great team of which I was a part, he was able to reprogram his PTSD symptoms and ultimately overcome the symptoms of PT, PT, PTSD within months um, versus, you know, years or a lifetime, right? Um, so it, it just depends on the situation. It also depends on how frequently a person was in the traumatic situation. Um, the other thing that I also find is a little more difficult to and takes just longer to heal is when the traumatic situation, when it has happened over a longer period of time, and if there was any kind of emotional or psychological abuse associated with it, it's a little bit harder to reprogram because we're not only dealing with the whatever the stressful event was, but the lead up to it and after it, if it was a, a trauma that it was experienced over a long mm. period of time. So, but, but these things, I see these, I see traumatic experiences, you know, literally being healed. I mean, in, on a, sometimes on a daily basis in my work weekly, you know, these are things that can be healed. So anyone out there that's had a trauma, uh, that, is, that has experienced trauma, there is hope and energy work is a wonderful way to help you heal from it. It, it sounds like, and, and, and tell me, tell me if I'm right by understanding this, that it, it's helpful for people who, or maybe you see people who have spent a decent amount of time in talk therapy, or they've done cognitive behavioral therapy, and that has helped to up to a certain point. But like you said, trauma lives in your body, and then they come to work with someone like you who can actually help them rebalance. Is that fair? Yeah, it's it, absolutely. I think that it's, it is a beautiful marriage of talk therapy and um, and energy work that 
I'll probably get to the yeah. best result. Well, and I think I think you know we've come a long way over the last even just handful of decades. I think just talking about therapy and and what it actually looks like behind closed doors. And I think for a long time that talk therapy was was one of our only options, or at least the only option that people talked about. You know, I know my therapist. You go and talk to this person, and and you just talk and you talk about your problems and you talk about your feelings. And I'm so glad that now other modalities are more mainstream and it's not considered weird or woo-woo. I'm sure by some people who judge it, but but to do things like energy work and that type of healing, what do you think? Well, I've been doing this now for 15 <laughs> years and when and it was it was considered more woo-woo, you know, 10 years ago and now that people have experienced meditation and and the tapping solution and Yoga, I mean, if you think about it, 10 years ago, yoga yeah. was weird. And now everyone's doing yoga. People are meditating and it's mainstream. So we have come a long way and it's wonderful. Because I do feel as though, especially with trauma, moving these emotions through the body is key. I often find that if, if someone's in therapy and they, they talk about something, a lot of my clients have felt re-triggered when they talk mm -hmm. about something, but then they're not able to move the energy or reprogram the energy and the physical response to it. So the marriage of the modalities is just absolutely um, incredible. So it is very cool the way that mind, our society has shifted and is more accepting of all yeah, these it things. Is. Well I've taken several classes with Masterclass on things like communication, entrepreneurship, and storytelling, and absolutely loved everyone because of their caliber of instructors and how concise the classes are. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. You can make new habits with New York Times bestselling author James Clear, improve your physical and mental well-being with leading gut health experts, or build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perez. She is so amazing. I had gotten curious about how to be a better communicator, so I took the Art of Negotiation class with Chris Voss, and it helped me to do things like read body language, read speech patterns, and so much more, so I can better communicate with who you ask? My teenagers. <laughs> Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Andrea. Masterclass.com slash Andrea. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Let's back up for a second. And can you tell us what it might look like for someone, like say someone's listening to this and, and maybe they don't have a regular talk therapist right now. How can they, so what are some telltale signs that they can look for in their everyday life that might point them towards some, maybe some physical symptoms to where they might need to seek out a trauma therapist? Well, trauma is a little different mm -hmm. than just stress, but um, trauma, for example, the, one of the biggest things I see with trauma is disassociation, people being unable to be fully present in 
different situations in their life. And they, if so, if you feel as though you are all of a sudden, you can't quite focus on what's being said in the room. It's like you're there, but you're not there. You may be disassociating. So that is a more, I guess, extreme Mm -hmm. reaction, but other reactions could be insomnia, um, just like anxiety that can't be um, addressed um, in with just, you know, actions or, or trying to change your thoughts or, you know, doing something different. Um, I think reactivity, like if you are walking outside and something, you know, you, you have something happens and then you feel a level of stress in you that you can't calm down from, that's another symptom. And so really just being, and I think this is something that all of us should really do, uh, is pay attention to how Mm -hmm. you feel and check in with yourself throughout your day and just maybe put your hand on your heart and say, what am I feeling in this moment right here and right now? Like, and a lot of us, I think are stressed and we don't even know we're stressed, uh, whether we've experienced trauma or not. I find my clients can come into my office and these are people that maybe are not trauma survivors and they'll come in and their central nervous system will just be completely overstimulated to the point where it's just hard for them to relax on the table. And we have to calm the central nervous system before we can even begin to work on whatever it is they want to come in to work, you know, work on. And so just being able to stop and take time to understand what you're feeling and also changing our relationship to stress. So, oh, I'm feeling stressed. Rather than just ignoring stress, how can it teach us something? So if I'm feeling stressed, what I do is I do a series of, you know, tapping that stimulates the meridian system and helps me digest whatever emotion I'm feeling. And then I ask myself, well, what is it, what is it that I want right now that I'm not giving myself or I can't, I don't feel like I can have. And then I can take action to make myself feel happier. But before I can go there, I have got to calm my anxiety or got to calm my worry. Otherwise, I can't even get to what I want. And I think that a lot of us live in that state all the time and don't even know it. And so the more we can allow upsetting emotions, stressful emotions to teach us what we need versus just pushing them down and, you know, we think we're keeping calm and carrying on, right? But we're really not. We're just pushing our emotions down. And when you do that for a long period of time, that's when ultimately those emotions affect us physically in a chronic way. You know, we may have chronic neck pain, we may have chronic back pain, we may, you know, develop chronic insomnia, which affects our health in other ways. So these are the kinds of symptoms, physical symptoms that can also show up in a regular person who hasn't experienced trauma, um, but also in people with trauma, you can have physical symptoms that you can't seem to shake and you don't know why. And it can all be stress related. Okay. You have, I have so many questions, <laughs> but one of the things I wanted to, I wanted to add when we were, you were talking about what are some pe- things for people to look for when they're, you know, maybe they have some work that they need to do. I, I know for me, 
when I would see certain scenes in movies or TV shows, which still happens sometimes. And it is a reminder of how like a traumatic event that I had, you know, or the life that I used to have, some relationships I used to have when it's in my face being played out in front of me and I have a physical reaction. And uh, that's a key to me that trauma is still living in my body. I also had another experience Earlier on, when I had two back-to-back traumatic relationships, and and one of those resulted in a wonderful child, my thirteen-year-old son, when he was a baby, I when I before I got pregnant with him, I worked at this one particular office building. I loved the job, loved the people that I worked with, and unfortunately, when I worked there, I worked there for about a year. I was in a very difficult toxic, abusive relationship. And uh, that relationship didn't end up working out. And I had my baby and a friend of mine that worked there. I didn't work there anymore. A friend of mine said, come and have lunch. We want to see the new baby. I didn't think anything of it. I put my happy ass in the car and drove down there with my son. And I had him on my hip and I'm walking into the building and I walked by the bathroom, the same bathroom that I used to go into and cry pretty much daily and I had a physical reaction and was felt like I was frozen and was so ridden with anxiety that I asked my friend if we could leave the building. And that was the first time actually that I realized the impact of what I had been through because I chalked it up to, it was just a really ugly breakup, you know, and just, you just move on. Some talk therapy will help me and I'll be okay. And for me, it was, it was validation that yes, trauma lives in your body. It is very real and it requires deep healing and surrendering to, to what is. Absolutely. And, and the kind of work I do with my clients, and this is exactly the work that I did with the veteran that I was talking about earlier, is if I was with you in that office building, I may have said to you, okay, let's go out for a minute. And I would have said, let's tap together on how you feel right now. And I would have said, and I would have tapped meridian points with you. And had you just be present to the feeling that you were feeling. And then when we got your anxiety from maybe a 10 down to a one, I said, okay, let's try and go in. And then we would go in and we would tap again. And what we'd be teaching your body is that what is happening now is not what was then is not now. And we are teaching you that you can keep yourself safe and be more a choice now that you are the person you are today so that what happened then doesn't have to happen again. So it's really important when you are triggered to calm down first uh, in whatever way you can. Like I said, I we just went and had chicken parmesan um, but that, at that the deli. That gives you a little know, probably not that helpful. <laughs> well, I mean, on it, but you know what? If that's a and she was a great friend. You, yeah, you were you you were nurturing. You were and she's a soothing. She's a soothing friend. You know that could be uh, that could be a nurturing thing mm-hmm. to do for yourself. Um, it's so funny. Lady Gaga has an amazing interview that she did recently with Oprah Winfrey, and she talks about you know, her experiences with, um, with, with trauma, her, her, her trauma experience and also, you know, what she uses to help herself feel better. And, um, when she is triggered by something or when she is upset and she talks about 
giving herself something that really is nourishing and that this just, just helps her feel better. And I think that, you know, good friends can do that. Knowing actually in your life what does that for you is really important. And I, and I, and I really also challenge people, little simple things can be so nourishing and soothing. I mean, I just absolutely love my almond milk cappuccino in the morning and I find it super mm-hmm. soothing to sit and just drink that warm, cozy drink, you know, putting on your favorite pair of PJs sometimes, um, you know, and watching your favorite show can be incredibly soothing. So doing something that soothes you so that you're actually taking care of yourself is another way that you're reprogramming your response to your, your reaction because you're letting your body know we're actually okay. Like we can, after having that experience, I can go to lunch and feel the feeling again of feeling soothed and okay. So again, that, that's actually one form of, of calming the body energet, energetically. Now, I mean, I have these, you know, again, I talked about the, the tapping routines that, that I do with people so that you can, you know, do it in the moment. And that's how we work through uh, and, and help desensitize the body to the triggers that were associated with the old events so that the present moment is no longer stressful in the same in a similar situation because the situation that you're in now is not the same as the one you were in before, even though the location is yeah. the same. You're so different. what is happening biologically? Is it really that our bodies think that we are in the same place as before? So your body, your body, all of your senses remember mm that experience and if it's been a traumatic one it's like your body makes a makes a sensory note when you when a lot of those sensory cues are then combined again if you think about it when you walk into any room you immediately mm-hmm. smell it while you're seeing everything in the room and the both the the visual and even the auditory, like when you walk into an office building, you know how there's kind of that hum of mm-hmm. background even like noise. The, way the door sounds so when it sound. closes that you probably you, don't notice, but mm-hmm. absolutely, all of those cues your body remembers, and then to keep you safe, you will go into a sympathetic nervous system response. It's a fight, flight, or freeze response. So you will either potentially get angry and not know why. You may, and that would be the fight reaction, you may get really anxious and nervous and want to run away, get the hell out of there like you did, or you might get really frozen. And when a client is frozen, I will know they're frozen because their eyes get a little bit wider and it's almost as if you're a deer in headlights and you can't quite manage to do things as effectively as you would normally because you're in a state of freeze. Your body's remembering all of those, all that Mm -hmm. stimuli and it's reacting and it's really doing so to keep you safe. It is, it's a protective mechanism and what we need to do, and that's why the soothing can, is, is really helpful is we need to tell your body that actually there's no lions or tigers or bears right now. You're safe because you're, even though you're in the same place, you're not in the same situation with the same, you know, confluence of factors. And I I keep reiterating, you're different. And I'm going back to your story because, you know, coming back to this old place, you were a different person. 
you know, you had been to therapy, you had done work on this, you are different. And, and, and really, I don't think, would you, at that moment, when you revisited that, had you done enough healing to not make the same choice again? Um, I had done enough to not get into a relationship like that, but I hadn't, I hadn't done any somatic work. And so that was in 2000 and it was late 2007. It might've been early 2008. So I'll bet now if I went back there that I would be, I would be really surprised if I had the same physical symptoms. Right. I mean, I might have a little bit, but I've done the somatic work now. Right. But it took me a minute. It took me over a decade to actually be ready to do it. Yeah, it takes time. It takes time. And I think that, but one of the things that I, I keep reiterating, and I want to do this for the listeners out there, is that you, even though you're in a situation that reminds you of the previous one, you are different and you have a whole new level of power of choice that you probably didn't have back then. And there's a meridian in the Chinese meridian system called the triple warmer meridian. And the triple warmer is the meridian that initiates a fight, flight, or freeze sympathetic nervous system response. And what triple warmer needs to hear in order to feel safe is that you're at choice. And, you know, it really, it's only stimulating that response because it thinks that what happened before is going to happen again, right? So we need to protect you from that. But we all have choices to that, and we can make a choice that can help us be safer. And I mean, even in situations where, you know, trauma, like if someone wound up getting jumped and raped on the street, you know, you have even the choice to stand up and fight like hell so that that doesn't happen again. We have choices. And so I think that it's just a very empowering thing to know that, and if anybody is experiencing this out there that's listening, you have choices and you are probably a different person now than you were then and you can overcome these feelings that do feel debilitating by using somatic therapy, using energy work and self-soothing. So, um, but just know that you can make different choices and that's empowering. So was that triple triple warmer? Triple, triple warmer. What was the name of that? Triple warmer meridian. Triple it's warmer. called triple warmer or triple heater. And I have um I have exercises on my site that take you through how to calm the triple warmer um, meridian and how to calm a stress response, how to release anxiety. So at LaraRiggio.com, there's tons of information and video exercises so that you can experience this work and, and calm yourself down. You do have a lot of stuff on your exercises on your site. We will link to that in the show notes for sure. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. It is 2020 and a little bit anxious this year with <laughs> the <little>. pandemic <laughs> and the quarantining and the sickness and the the civil unrest and this election cycle. And so, okay. I know this is, I have, I have lots of questions about that. My first one is how can one work to clear anxiety right now and make decisions with greater clarity? Because I, I find that that's been hard for people just to, just to make simple decisions that they maybe would not have had a hard time with, you know, seven months ago. I think one of the biggest problems right now with the stress that we're feeling is the fear of the unknown. That is what I help people clear on a weekly basis. And clients that I even see regularly that we've, we've worked with clearing this fear several times, it comes up again and again right now because we're experiencing something that we haven't experienced in our lifetime and our parents haven't experienced in theirs. And so we just don't know what's going to happen. But I've been trying to challenge my clients and invite everyone to take this time because a lot of us, a lot of us have more time on our hands. So take this time rather than doing things that you would normally do by rote. See if you can tap into your own heart more and see what you want to do because that's the gift of this moment. There's, there, the, there's the availability of more self-reflection and I think just a deeper, closer relationship with your own desires because we're not rushing off to do this, that, or the other thing. And because we are living in a state of the unknown, we have more choices. And yes, that can stress you out. But if you tap into your heart and you really think about what you want and act on your own desires in any situation, even down to, I mean, look, we have to make decisions all the time right now. Like, um, oh, so-and-so wants to go out to dinner. Well, do I feel safe? And, um, Mm -hmm. And this can actually really help anyone who's experienced trauma, like just doing this with your everyday life. 
can help you feel safer and feel empowered by your own choices. You know, if someone asked me if I want to go out to dinner, I'm like, well, where would we go? I may even call the restaurant and say, how far apart of your tables or better yet, I walk by in New York here, we have only outdoor dining that is, that is available. And I'll walk by and say, okay, so how far apart are the tables? Are the waiters wearing masks? Like I look at it all and I make a decision after I have all the information and, and by tapping into my heart and going, does this feel safe to me? I did the same thing with the nail salon. Like I walked by the nail salon. I went in. I I saw how many people were there. How many appointments are you taking by the hour? I, I, I made sure it felt safe before I put myself into a position where I didn't feel safe. And so mm-hmm. really, this is this time I see as people of before with our busy lives. And I yeah. the cost is, of course, very saddening, all the lives lost and and all the pain, you know, and hurt that people have experienced from all of this and um, from the pandemic to, you know, the lives lost, everyone that's died with, you know, all the police shootings. And this is just not recently, but, you know, like, my goodness, we, my goodness, mm-hmm. we can go back, you know, many years and talk about all the lives lost that, that shouldn't have been. But it's, um, it's giving us the opportunity to change. And we look, when we look at how change is occurring in some ways more rapidly than it ever has before, I mean, laws are being passed that pretty quickly, you know, because of, of people's reaction and stand you know, social stance around all of these events. So I actually see this while there's been a lot of pain and upset, I do see the upside of it and see how the world is changing for the better as a result. And, you know, I have a, I believe that the energy that we feel often attracts like energy. And so when I look into the future and I just had a client today who was really worried about the election and, you know, what might happen if this one or that one was elected. And, and I said to her, I said, well, you know, who, who I, we were talking about who she wanted to, to, you know, wanted to Mm -hmm. be elected, elected. And how would you feel if that happened? And I said, this is the feeling we want to manifest because when you are able to think about how things could be and how you would feel, you're able to attract more and more like energy to that. And I just say, whenever, whenever we're dealing with our reaction to the media right now as well, again, notice if you've watched something that is upsetting to you, you're probably engaged in with the energy of it and um, notice how you feel. Maybe don't watch that show anymore if it's pulling you into a, an emotional state you don't want to be in. Um, get your news mm-hmm. another way. If you can just, again, get into the feeling of how you'd want to feel if the outcome you desire occurs, you are going to be putting energy and intention into that manifesting versus the opposite. And I think that right now, I had another client today who's a mom and she's actually keeping her kids home from school and doing virtual learning online. And the way that it was all going was not, was not smooth. And she wasn't sure how mm-hmm, effective it was going to mm-hmm, be. Was she going to, was she going to have to, you know, go back to homeschooling and what would that mean? And she was in a total state of upset about it. And 
when I checked into her system and started testing, I saw that the triple warmer meridian was overstimulated. So there was a level of like unsafety there. So, so I said, well, what is it about this situation right now that is causing you so much stress? So like there's a, there's a lack of safety. Are you afraid that your kids, if you start to homeschool them because this isn't working, are you afraid that maybe they won't be able to go back in January or next year and, and have a seamless transition? So that's exactly what it is. Like, well, is that you could probably get them tutoring or make sure they're up to date, right? She said, yes, I could. Um, okay, great. And there are other ways you could facilitate them still having, you know, they're having their friendships with their friends, right? Yes, I could. Okay, great. So you really could facilitate an easy and transition, easy transition back. So this is just, this is a perceived fear. It's not a real fear. So, you know, again, mm -hmm. looking at what do you really want? I want to make sure my kids can go back. I want, I'm thinking I want to homeschool them, but I want to make sure that they can go back and transition back easily. Okay. So then how do you do that? And that's the thing. It's like, what is your anxiety trying to tell you? I'm uneasy about doing this virtual learning. I think I really want to do the homeschooling and, you know, but is there going to be a cost there? You know, and are my kids not going to get what they need? Well, how could you facilitate both having what you want with homeschool and then also facilitating them having what they need? You could probably do both, but literally talking yourself through those steps um, after you recognize the feeling, the anxious feeling, calm yourself down. And then again, tap into your heart and understand what it is you really want. I love that you get to the bottom of it first. And it sounds like you use a lot of intuition in your work. Is that, is that true? Uh, I do, but I'm, I, I, yes, I use intuition, but I'm also, so I, I'm testing whenever I'm working with a client, I'm testing what their energy field is telling me and how they're out of balance. So when I see like, for example, the triple warmer meridian is overstimulated, I know someone's really afraid and they're feeling unsafe. Mm -hmm. When I see that other meridians, like for example, if the spleen meridian is out of balance, I know that they may be having trouble just digesting a lot of information at one time and assimilating it in an easy way, or they're not having enough compassion for themselves. If their kidney meridian's out of balance, I know they're probably blaming or shaming themselves in some way. Um, you know, liver brings up self-criticism. So, so there's, so I have insight via which meridians are out of balance and which chakras as to what is actually happening emotionally for them. So it's not so much, it's part of its intuition from doing this for so long, but part of it is also what their body's really telling me. Their body's talking to me and telling me exactly what has them upset. Mm hmm. This, that is like, that is some wild, amazing, fascinating shit to me. Like, <laughs> it actually, I saw a chiropractor <laughs> who did that. And I, I, I mean, are you, I'm like, are you guys magic? Are you from another dimension? It's so fascinating. He went through my organs and it didn't, he didn't even put hands on me. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how, how you do it, but he, I think it was gallbladder. He said, I, I can't remember which organ it was. And he said, who are you resenting right now? Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, at first I was like, ew, like get out of my head. And it was my mom. Yep. Like I was, we had just moved to Utah when she lived there and we had all this misunderstanding and assumptions about childcare and it was coming to a head at the moment. And we had gotten into this argument and I was resentful that she wasn't babysitting my kids and she never said she would. And I had made all these assumptions. And so, but that blew my mind. I was almost afraid to go back. Because I'm like, how are you reading my organs? <laughs> well, <laughs> out of my body. Your ba- you, so your body is out of balance, and and he read where mm-hmm. the um, the stress was, and that's what I do too. And the beautiful thing about it, it is really, it is crazy cool, and I use it all the time on myself. Every day, I test myself to see if there's a clearing that I need to see what might be bothering me. And, um, you know, I, I actually, I got into doing this work because I had chronic fatigue and I was tired all the time. Okay. That's what, that was my next question yep. I was curious about is, I, is how did you get yep, into this? I got into this because I had chronic fatigue. I was tired all the time and, you know, drinking four grande, you know, cappuccinos a day to just get through my life. And then when my adrenals started to break down, you know, from, just just the the all of the mm-hmm. caffeine and everything i really had a problem and a friend of mine turned me on to energy medicine so my teacher is donna eden and she has a book out called energy medicine and i found a practitioner in new york and started going once a week and it made sense to me because again it was based on what you're talking about muscle testing and with muscle testing we will ask the body questions. So um, I will mm-hmm. ask the body a yes or no question, or I will touch specific points. And that's how I know where the body's weak and where the body's strong. And what's very cool is that when you feel your arm weak, because you know your practitioner has found a weakness for you or weak meridian or whatever chakra, and then you do an exercise and then you see that your arm is strong afterwards and you actually feel different. That's a beautiful thing about this is that the results of this work are immediate. After my first session with her, I went to her feeling like I was walking through mud because the fatigue was so oppressive that it felt like I was not just like walking through air, but mud. That's how it, everything had to work harder in my body just to move forward. And after the session, I felt this lightness of being that I had not felt for years. I kept going and I wound up doing, did I, did I do the exercises that she gave me every day? I still didn't do them every day. <laughs> and so it wasn't until I committed to doing the exercises that she gave me every day, that then I found this huge fast you know, progression. And within like a few weeks after that, I was like, I actually bounded up all four flights of stairs to her home studio. Um, when I had to previously walk up one and rest, walk up another flight and rest after I started doing my exercises every day. And so it was then that I was like, my gosh, I'm actually healed. Like I can do things I couldn't do before physically from doing this work. And so I just was, I committed to doing it every day after I healed that physical effects of my, uh, my fatigue, I wound up dealing with the emotional ones, which were chronic anxiety. You know, it takes a lot of energy to be chronically anxious. And mm-hmm. I had adopted anxiety from my mom and, and adopted her belief system, which drove anxiety. And so I started working on that next. And that's how I've gotten into working with all the emotional aspects that I cover with my clients is because one morning I woke up and I was completely 
procrastinating and getting more and more anxious as I was. And, um, you know, two hours it had passed and I was just beside myself with anxiety because my list, my to-do list was like 20 points long and I had to get all this stuff done. I thought, you know what, I'm going to do the exercise where I go in bed and I hold my head, hold my forehead in the back of my head for just 15 minutes because that usually helps me get to sleep. So I did it in the middle of my day and then I started knocking all these things off my list and I I calmed my stress response. And so when I saw that that was possible, that I could calm anxiety, I was like, wow, I could do this with any emotion, right? So I started working on all the emotions that I was having that was that were upsetting and um, learning all these techniques that they call it uh, energy psychology. There's different forms of energy psychology that you can um, learn and they help your body digest stress. And like we said, the really cool thing is you can think about, for example, one of the next things that I tackled was, well, why am, why do I have this distrust of men? I, I found that I was a person who just couldn't flirt. So I would, you know, see a good looking guy and I would look at him and automatically involuntarily, I would turn my head away and I would get completely red in the face. And so having any Hmm. kind of conversation with someone I was attracted to was really tough because I just physically was prevented from doing it. And after working on this fear and finding that it was coming from a distrust of men, but really a distrust of myself, because when, um, and that's funny, when I told my mom, this actually really illustrates how beliefs from your childhood are passed on and they can affect your life today. When I told my mom about what I was working on energetically, she said to me, oh, well, do you remember when you were a kid? I mean, you were five five years old. I asked you if you were going to get married and you said, oh yes, I'm going to get married, but I'm always going to have my own money. At five, I said this to my mother. And yeah, because I saw my mom in a relationship where she was unhappy and she felt trapped. Now, after that, she went to therapy. She and my dad went to therapy. They got healthy. My mom went back to work. She felt empowered and, you know, was enjoying her life. And I still had this belief. So even though they changed and they got healthier, I held on to this belief that it's not so healthy to be in a committed married relationship if you don't have money because then you're trapped. And so with mm-hmm. that belief, I was I wound up attracting non-available guy after non-available, non-committal guy after guy. And, um, you know, relationships didn't feel safe to me. So after I was able to clear that, I was actually was able to meet men everywhere. I met them on the bus. I met them on the street. And I wound up, you know, having a real dry spell turn into, um, you know, a dating friend. Raining men. It was amazing. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> And then I met my husband within a year and a half of that. So, um, and then we were married, you know, we moved in a year later. And so, so it really opened up my ability to be in a healthy relationship, clearing that fear. And, and it was, and like I said, it was this physical reaction to flirting that cleared for me. So again, it illustrates that this stuff, these beliefs are held in the body. Sometimes you don't know they're there. And the cool thing about these kinds of practices are that you're able to figure out exactly what it is that is bothering you, what the stress is, identify it, and then release your body's um, reaction to it, balance your body in the face of the stress so that you ultimately overcome that stressor. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to what you were talking about earlier, and, and that's paying attention to your body and your reactions. Yep. 
Yep. And then, and then yeah. soothing yourself. Come full circle. Soothing mm-hmm. yourself. So, you know, really take the time if you're feeling stressed, how can I soothe myself? And like I said, there's a ton of resources on my site and that you can certainly go and use. Um, but, you know, even as simple as I'm feeling stressed, maybe I need to take 15 minutes and just go sit on a park bench and breathe. Or even like if you're in your car mm-hmm. and you find that you're anxious while you're driving, like when you get to the parking lot, sit there and maybe you just take 10 deep breaths and um, rubbing your temples. So if you take deep breaths and you just rub your temples in a circular fashion, that can calm your fight, flight, freeze reaction. The triple warmer meridian runs from your ring finger up the back of your arm over your ear to your temple. And so if you rub your temples as you breathe deeply, you're telling your body there's no lions, tigers, or bears. You are safe right here and right now. And what? then you ask yourself, what can I give myself to soothe myself and give myself the energy and attention that I need in order to feel safe to take and then take action on what you want versus just being in that state of reactivity and never, ever calming yourself down. That's why we have insomnia. Mm-hmm. Which isn't sustainable <laughs> no, long-term. It affects your physical no. health. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, some people listening who have experienced that or or are experiencing it now, especially, you know, since things have, have kind of come to a head here in in 2020. And and I hope that, I hope that people can, can take care of themselves and take some exercises that they learned here on your site, uh, laurariggio.com. We'll drop that in the show notes. Is there any other place that you like to hang out like on social media where people can come and find you and learn more? Sure. My Instagram name is Lara underscore Riggio. So you can find me on Instagram. My, I have tons of exercises on my YouTube channel, Lara Riggio. You can just find it by typing in my name. And um, yeah, so there are ways to find me. I, I have loved this conversation. I, I was telling somebody, somebody else that I was interviewing that I, I, I truly believe that as a host of this show and, and someone who both is a facilitator of personal development work and a student myself, that as I kind of go through my own stuff, that the universe hands me people that both I need to hear so that I can serve my people better. And talking about energy work and and trauma and, and everything that you've talked about has been so incredibly helpful. So I I so appreciate the work that you do in the world and that Terry, Terry demanded that uh, I have you on my show. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for taking the time. I love your show. And I love, I love that, um, you know, using the language to describe it, kick ass. I love it. We should all be kicking ass in our lives. So (laughs) yeah, well, and it looks different for, for everyone, you know, and it's, it's interesting how much it's evolved. You know, when I started, in 2010, I started a few years before that, but when I officially launched your kick ass life, it, it really was about positivity and going after your goals and, and just, you know, kind of like hustle and you can, you can do it. And then I quickly realized like, oh, there's so much more to it. And so what I tell people now is, is your version of a kick-ass life may not look like mine and whatever it is that you need to take care of yourself and honor your values and just be the best that you can be. And so that, that is a wide spectrum. And I just, my hope is that I can bring people on this show to show so many different modalities of how to heal and thrive. That is amazing. Well, 
So important, so important. And um, it's just such a pleasure talking to you. What a fun conversation. Likewise, likewise. And, and everyone listening, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Your, your time is incredibly valuable. I understand that. Thank you for joining me and my guest today. And until next time, everyone, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.